and welcome to Blue Royalty, a Londoners Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am joined today by Abdullah Abdullah to do a very special deep dive on Chelsea's latest signing, the one and only Katarina Macario, announced by the club last week, having been heavily rumoured to be joining on the expiration of her contract. We got that confirmed. Contracts taketh away, but they also giveth. That's the conclusion I'm taking for this one. Um... Listen, so this episode is going to be a deep dive on Macario. I'm going to say up front, this is a player who I think some people will know loads about. Some people have watched since she was in college. Other people might not know as much about. Um, she's obviously had a number of good years at Lyon, but she also hasn't played for a season. Uh, not everyone is watching a load of the Champions League, a load of French League. Bear with us if there's stuff you might know, if there's stuff you don't know. I'm hoping at the end we will all be experts. And part of the reason I think we will all be experts at the end because is because there is really no one better to talk to about Katarina Macaria than Abdullah because Abdullah likes watching Leon a lot as well. Um, so she signed a three-year deal. People are already saying this could be the biggest signing in the WSL of the summer. It certainly seems that way, barring any big surprises from other clubs. Abdullah, why is everyone so excited about this player? Oh, I mean, where do you start? Uh, <laughs> where do you start? I mean, at such a young age, she's already gone to arguably the biggest club in, in world football historically and, 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 and helped them win a Champions League, uh, you know, against the other biggest club in the world uh, you know a couple of seasons ago and so I think that development there in, in such a short space of time is just evidence alone of the exponential talent that that now we have on our hands in, in Macario um I think it's just there's just the fact that she's got so much room to grow she's like a seven or eight year younger version of a of a harder Kirby level of player and you're getting that you're getting maybe 60 percent of that at a, in, a, in, a, in a body that's in her early 20s. So to be able to, to pull a player like this in from such a big club on a free uh, and to be able to, 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 to have already seen her, you know, do do damage for such a big side and make a difference um, is such an exciting prospect. And, and to, to think that she's going to be linking up with different players, learning a lot more new tricks and for her, you know for her playbook uh under Emma Hayes uh you know playing with some top class players and and more to come then you know there's nothing more to be excited about and I can see why she could probably be the biggest signing because I mean barring Alexia Patea, Saitana or Ada Hegerberg or Wendy Renard someone like that joining a WSL club I really don't see what which other young player that that is you know even you know that's there that could probably come close to what Macario's you know, star power is you probably have a few at Bayern Munich or or, or Wolfsburg, but uh, in terms of impact and in terms of what you know she's done for her previous clubs, uh, I don't think you can get any bigger. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think Macario is a player who not only is very talented, but I think she knows what she wants, and there's something about that which has its own kind of X factor, and that's part of why I think it's so exciting that. We've managed to sign her, one, because it's fucking cool, let's be real, when really good players want to play for your club. Um, but two, this is a player who realistically could have gone gone anywhere. And we're in this kind of weird position with her because she hasn't played in a year. But if we cast our minds 
back to a year ago, this is someone who, like, you know, from Leon's Champions League run, people really couldn't stop talking about as as almost like the driving force behind it. I know, you know, by the end, Hegerberg's sh- shown up and she's back and, and she takes a load of plaudits. Selma Basher equally deservedly um, took a lot of praise from, from that whole run in the Champions League, but Macario was, was a key part of that. Um, I want to skip back initially uh, to the start of her career, she was born in Brazil, moved to America when she was 12 in order to pursue football. This is kind of what I mean when I just feel like this is someone who's so, so driven. Um, incredibly distinguished collegiate career, predominantly playing as a striker. You can go, if you're so inclined, and watch a 30-minute compilation of her goals that her agency made on YouTube, all of the ones that she scored while she was at Stanford, which is where she was at college. Wins literally every individual award you can win as a collegiate player. ESPN Player of the Year, Herman Trophy, both those twice. Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, Honda Sports Award. uh, Beating out a little-known midfielder called Jesse Fleming, who was also nominated on that one. Bonkers numbers, 63 goals in 69 appearances, including 32 goals in 25 appearances in her junior year, which was her final year at Stanford. Helps them win the NCAA Soccer Championship twice. Decided to pass in her senior year of college. Doesn't declare for the NWSL draft, which is normally the pipeline you see from players who go through college, players who, okay, Macario like got American citizenship later along the line, but players who want to play for the US Women's National Team like Macario did. Instead, she goes and signs for Leon. Abdullah, what was your perception of this player when she arrives at Leon in, in January of 2021? It was... Um... It was a strange one. I won't lie. At the, at the time of the rumors of, of you know, Leon essentially getting what would have possibly been the number one pick in the draft, um, you know, at the time, I was, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I was unsure because I hadn't, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't watch much of the um, the college soccer scene, so I, I'm not really well, well versed in it. And you know, when she was linked with with Leon, it kind of you know you, you get intrigued because you're like like you said, players at that college level don't go to Europe immediately. They they go through the W you know the NWSL draft. You look at Alyssa Thompson, Sophia Smith of the past, and and all these kind of players that they end up playing for you know an NWSL team, and maybe like five six years down their career, they they decide to do a loan into Europe and and, and kind of do something over there. Um, so it was intriguing. I wasn't too sure. I I, I didn't I, I didn't think at all that she would. Re- I, I I eventually I, when I read about her and kind of learned a little bit more when she signed and kind of the the work that went in behind. And I think that was what surprised me the most because I remember that one of the reasons to convince her to sign for Leon was that Ada Hegeberg gave her a call and kind of gave her the you know the Leon pitch of saying why she should join what she should do look we can play together we can create a legacy together we can do things and you know we can win trophies and and and, and you know create history at leon and and you know when she joined i was like all right ryan we've got potentially a, a potential number one draft pick kind of coming in um she's young you know and and let's let's see how she develops because you don't this is a very rare uh, commodity in in terms of you know players coming through. So I wasn't sure. I really wasn't sure. And I think the first half of the season that she did play was kind of testament to the probably the the jitteriness that that people might have had, especially I did, in terms of can she adapt? 
is she good enough to, to play for such a top team? But uh guess I was proven wrong. So yeah, that, that was my initial impressions of, of Makari at the time. It's always good to be proven wrong on things yeah. sometimes. And I get it as well. You know, I think we often see with players coming out of the US college system, you don't know how they're going to adapt. It's, it is a very different environment to grow in. It's got a huge number of benefits. Um, but whether players go to the NWSL, the WSL, Division One, um, you see players taking different amounts of time to adjust to basically playing with grown-ups rather than playing with players your own age. And it's a specifically weird thing in women's football because we don't really have a sort of under-23 or under-21 uh, academy system in the way you do on the men's side it's kind of like in England at least under 18s and then and then you go um, and so America's a bit more unique in that aspect so you kind of get these older players coming through although obviously Macario um, gave up her senior year to go and play for Leon anyway obviously Abdullah when she gets to Leon, it kind of coincides with a bit of a downturn in their fortunes um, for most teams this probably wouldn't be that unusual but for Leon, it was dramatic they lost the league that year to PSG they knocked them out of the Champions League as well. There was no Hegerberg at the time. She was injured. You kind of like touched on it already, but talk to us a bit about how she developed from that back half of the 2021-22 season into, sorry, back, back half of the 2021 season into the 2021-22 season. So that, that 18 months really where we actually saw her play for Leon, how did she change? It was crazy. Um, I think I think you also have to to remember that it wasn't the same coach as well. Like she she eventually switched to Sonia Bumpersdorf in the following season when she came in in, in, in Sonia's first season as well. So I, th- I think the first half of the season was important for her to just be able to adapt, and I think she got more minutes than usual because of Hegerberg's big injury. And I think they. I don't think that was the plan. I think the plan was you play Hagerberg, you just give Macario the 15, 20 minute cameos in the games and you kind of let her play and, and you go from there. And usually a Leon would be, f- you know, fighting top of the league and, 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 try- and basically winning the league. But obviously, like you said, they lost to PSG. They got knocked out of the Champions League and they were in a bad place. They weren't in a good run of form. They had Hagerberg injured. There was a couple other players at the time. I think they were out uh, as well. They were struggling to score a few goals. Um, and I think Macario kind of got thrust into a situation where they had to use her. They didn't really have a choice because they needed to use their depth. And when they had a, a sort of, stri- at the time, a striker there that they had to use, they were like, well, whether she plays well or she doesn't play well, we just got to throw into the deep end and, and just kind of see if she, you know, if she, she drowns or she, or she floats. And I think initially she definitely struggled because I think, I think the pace of, pace of Europe, pace of France the physicality against the other players, um, you know, she wasn't used to that. I think she she really did look like a teenager kind of lost in the midst of professionals at the time. And, 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 and I think as the half season wore on, you could start seeing more and more glimpses of her potential, more and more glimpses of the of of what she was signed for. And um, she ended up scoring a couple of goals here and there. And I think I think in a, if you look back now, I think that was probably a monumental moment in in her development as we see her now. Because I think if she had probably been given those smaller minutes and 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 developed that way, yes, she might have ended up at the same trajectory as she is now. But I don't think she would have had such an impact for Leon as she did in her full season where they won the Champions League because she basically learns in six months 
this is what the league is like. This is how the pace of the league is like. I've now taken this jam-packed experience of, of games that I've played, go into the summer, digest, rest, understand what her body needs, work on it, and obviously find change of coach. Sonia comes in, someone who's a little more respected, understands the club, and probably was watching Macario and, and obviously the squad in those six months before maybe she even knew she was going to become the coach. And I think she liked what she saw. And, and I think I think Sonia took a little bit of her time as well to kind of bed her into the team as like a proper first team player. And I think Sonia was the first coach at Lyon in a long, long time that for me was someone that actually coached the players to make them better. Obviously, the politics behind it is different. Players respect her. She's a legend of the club. So if anything, they were actually listening to her. Whereas if you if you read reports and things like that, probably player power is a little bit more of an issue in, in, in years past under previous coaches where maybe it was okay in the beginning and they started kind of going away. But the players were ultimately the ones that were really, you know, taking the games on their own on their own uh, turf and, and, and playing it. And I think Sonia was able, was basically had the chance to develop Macario and kind of put her in the center of a team that she wanted to develop that was new and coach her into becoming a better player. And I think that timing of her coming in, her being coached, along with the experience of playing in the league for six months with everything that happened and getting used to the team that she had around her, I think was just like the most, the, the, the biggest point of her career where she was able to develop so fast. And then after that, it was just, all right, we do a good few things, develop, develop, develop. And then it looks like she's a very quick learner. And after that, just by, probably by December, January of, 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 that, of that next season, she started becoming a lot more indispensable. I remember there was a Champions League game in the group stage against Haken away from home. And she, I think she scored a couple of goals there. Um, but I remember a couple of runs off the left wing that she had made in the half space and kind of the interchange of plan. That's when I was like, all right, so this is the developed Macario that we came to know and uh, eventually when Hegeberg came back she you know she that was a whole other experience right learning to to adapt her game with a big big top striker which I, it was obviously something that she's going to have to adapt to at Chelsea and that gives me and I know probably we'll touch on this later but it gives me a little bit of hope that her connection and and kind of partnership with Sam Kerr and let's say Frank Kirby, I think should come good sooner rather than later because she knows how to link up with the usually Le Sommer, uh, Anada Hegerberg and, and, and whatnot. So the big personality, she knows how to integrate with them. And if anything, she's now become one of those bigger names. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on, on the Hegerberg thing because I, I do think it's very interesting, um, obviously, bringing in a player like Macario, or like this is a challenge Chelsea have had in some ways, bringing in a player like Macario um, when you've got a player like Sam Kerr already at the club and Sam Kerr is clearly and un undisputably the star. Um, Hegerberg is the same. I I'd say even more so. Um, like she is a lot on the pitch. She is a lot off the pitch. How did Macario's game changed did do you feel like it changed when Hegerberg came back in that kind of October November time how did Macario adjust to to that uh player being back on the pitch I think I think she had to because uh if I if I can go back to when she joined she was essentially when she was playing in the college in college and everything she was while she could play the nine and the ten she was essentially seen as a striker like at the time in the early career early days even at the early times at Leon she was signed as and kind of 
touted as the striker coming in. Uh, and she basically, like I said, Hegeber got injured. She played as the striker, right? And I think playing as a striker is one thing. But I think when Hegeberg came in, now, this is not a knock on Hegeberg at all because when you're that good, there is no knock. This is your position, same with Sam Kerr, right? But when you are a caliber of striker of Hegeberg, Sam Kerr, et cetera, et cetera, you are going to play in that position no matter what because you are that good, right? And everybody else around you has to adapt. It, it, it Basically, that's how it works. The team is built around that play, like the star power. And I think Macario had to then change her her. Basically, a position she had to play a little bit deeper in almost a number ten role, but I, and I think we can call it the nine and a half or the ten and a half. Let's call it the ten and a half, right? Where you're playing not exactly as a number nine, but you're not playing exactly as a number ten. You're playing as almost like a secondary striker off someone that's big, and I think she had to adapt a little bit deeper to be able to improve her link-up play, improve her uh, play on the channels, kind of linking up with the midfield, and and almost to an extent, almost kind of playing like. Still play with the traits of a striker, but do it as a number 10, but also someone that can also do number 10 things. Um, and there, and it's kind of like the crossroads that Kai Havertz had, but kind of the reverse, right? Where he went from a number 10 to being a number nine, but his adaptation to being a number nine as a false nine was like, do number 10 things as a number nine. Well, Makari is kind of the opposite of doing that. But in, in this case, Makario's development in that position was just a li- maybe a little bit, was a, was a little bit better. I think she adapted to it well because when you got Hegeberg there, you've got to be able to know where she's going to be, how her kind of movement. She doesn't move down a lot, but she likes to move into the channels and kind of move around. So Macario had to kind of play around what Hegeberg did. And when you're able to adapt to someone who's that good and, and, and kind of who plays in this certain style, you know, it then becomes another feather in her cap in terms of being able to understand how the entire forward line works from a number nine and number 10 position where now you can kind of play her as a 10 and she'll she'll give you both you play as a nine she'll give you both and you know and and that that interchangeability of being able to adapt from one role to another is just a huge plus in terms of versatility and i think again it's it's almost seems like story written for her where she played in these two different positions because of two different circumstances but it just works so much to her benefit that she kind of developed into almost a world-class status in both positions for me. All right. Well, I feel like this is a good point to take a little bit of an ad break because we're getting into kind of the nitty-gritty of how Kat plays. Um, So we'll take an ad break here. Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. When we come back, we will talk a bit more about what she's good at and maybe a short section, what she's bad at. So... I don't know, before that break, you kind of started talking about how her positioning has changed and how she's able to do a lot of things uh, in those different positions. I think part of the attraction for Chelsea is, and for her maybe, is that they get this opportunity to sign a second striker, a backup striker to Sam Kerr, who's not someone who's like an elite striker, but isn't someone who's going to demand start every game because she can also play as a 10 um and i think that kind of works for both parties in terms of cat saying she i think she said that she wants to be she sees herself as a false nine um but yeah she's played as nine she's played as 10 she's played as an eight for the u.s women's national team she's good at football so it's fine but it's it's not where she's at her best for me is this a player who you think ends up 
doing all of those different roles, like kind of in a, a harder or curvy mode, whereby they never really nail down one position. They are just good enough that they, they play in in whichever they're needed, wherever they fit? Or do you think long-term we will see Macario, say, develop into a nine? Like, if Kurt was to leave over the next couple of years, do you think Macario is, like, prepped to take that leading role? What do you think? It's a good question, because I, I think I think there's two, three scenarios to this. Um, and I, I'll take two scenarios, and then I'll, I'll walk through each of them. So I think the first scenario, kind of you said, whereas, um, you know, do we see... You know, do you think we see Macario as someone who is kind of going to be played in a position and kind of just not going to be exactly fixed? You're kind of just going to play there and kind of be used like in a harder, you've got the free roll, kind of roam around. You've got the pitch for yourself to kind of play with and kind of use and you use the players around you to be able to adapt and adjust and play that way. I think if we go with that, I think that's the very likely first scenario. Because like you said, Sam Kerr is going to be playing as a number nine for Chelsea that she's the starting player she's the star that was there before Macario obviously and so she and she's proven herself to be one of if not the best strikers in the world right now that's no there's no there's no doubt about it so I see Samka as a number nine and I'm pretty sure Macario would have been told that and Macario's not stupid she would have seen what what Samka is doing and isn't going to be able to go and be like no 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 I demand to do that she doesn't match her numbers in terms of goals scored in the last couple of seasons obviously um, so I think I, th- I think initially, especially with Frank Frank Kirby's injury record right now, how many games can she can she play? Can she not play? We we'll see how that goes. But I think initially she'll be played as like this free role number ten, similar to the role that Harder played, where you will she will combine and play as almost in like a partnership with her. But she plays as this free number ten that can run a rotate around and play as like this like this false ten, if you want to call it, and and kind of roam around there and, and do that. So I think that's probably the likely scenario and probably the one that makes sense for both for Chelsea from a literal position a replacement of Harder and Sam Kerr being the number one striker. Now, like you said, if Sam Kerr needs a rest, you know, we had Beth England before, now we have Kat Macario. And when she goes into that number nine role, I think there will be a thought in Emma Hayes's mind, maybe not initially, maybe not in the first half of the season. I think she'll want to let... Macario adapt to Chelsea, adapt to England, play in that number number 10 role and give her that one position in terms of the position and say, play this role for six months. And then if and when we need you, we will move you up to the striker role. And I think there will be a thought at the back of, of Emma Hayes' mind that I need to play Macario when it's feasible and when it's necessary in that number nine role on the off chance that, you know, Sam Kerr, decides that you know she doesn't extend and she moves on to wherever back to the end of the whatever because i think i think i think if we look at i mean you just look at the goalkeeping situation right emma hayes is potentially signing a false goalkeeper and you know saying got her alone so if chelsea can stack that's because that's her summer kink abdullah that's not for <laughs> Take, taking a note out of the psg playbook as well you know like just making a few calls there I think there is going to be some, so there has to be some sort of planning because, you know, you never know, like, uh, you know, one, one, you know, right now it looks like Sam Kerr could be signing a li- could sign a lifetime contract. She loves it here. Right. But you never know how she feels in six, eight months time. And I think there is a part of Emma Hayes that goes, I've picked up an elite number 10, but you know what? I have a potential of pick, I, I potentially picked up an elite number nine as well. And so 
if there is a time where there's a demand for Sam Kerr and Sam Kerr does want to leave, Chelsea and Emma Hayes aren't handcuffed and aren't 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 kind of you know armed against them going, well, if I leave, what are you gonna do? She can literally say, Well, I have Macario to replace. I have got the replacement in Macario right here. And, you know, that then becomes Macario's role and kind of and kind of goes in line with what you said. She describes herself as a false nine. And Sam Kerr plays kind of like a false nine at times in terms of her movement. So, you know, maybe there's that there's that next level adaptation in terms of how Chelsea plays a striker, but that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, so I can see both scenarios being done. I think predominantly she'll start off as a number 10, but the minutes as a number nine will be something that we need to keep an eye on because I think there will be a little bit of forward planning in terms of let's, let's get Kat adapted to a number nine role on the chance that we need her to play there long term. And let's remember she is, again, a lot younger than Sam Kerr as well. Sam Kerr plays for three years. You've got three, let's say, let's just say three years. You've got Macario who can then develop herself as a nine or a 10 or a nine and a 10 over three years at Chelsea, which, you know, I think that does wonders for, uh, for both Emma Hayes and, and Macario. Yeah. And I think the crucial thing is that there's also a player in Frank Kirby. Okay. Who knows how many games, how many minutes she does play next season, but there is a player who similarly, I would say has that kind of ability to play this all round role where she's, she can be like a second striker. So there's also this potential of, okay, you're going to play Macario and Kirby together. Maybe Kirby starts at the 10, Macario is the 9, but they're just going to interchange. Um, and I guess maybe the most important element of this, Abdullah, when we're talking about what she's good at, is something that Kirby is good at as well, uh, in that she scores goals. And it doesn't really matter, it seems, where she plays on the pitch. Um, she scores goals. Uh, for Leon, she got... 28 in 44 appearances. For anyone concerned, that's because uh, the French League is a farmer's league. She got nine goals in 13 Champions League appearances uh, in her second season there. So not doing too shabby there in, in the slightly more difficult competition. That includes a goal in the Champions League final, of course. Um, obviously, Abdullah, like we're going to talk more about her, her general game, but talk to me a bit about her goal scoring, the kind of goal scorer she is, from the amount that I've watched her, which will be less than what you've watched her, I think what I really like about her is she scores goals in lots of different ways. She will make late runs into the box and go for the cutback or the knockdown or the free ball. Uh, her goal in the Champions League final is a tap-in where she basically just makes the run to the to the back post. She can score headers, she can score left foot, right foot she just feels like a very very complete goal scorer i agree with you i mean i, I, I couldn't even have said that better i think i think that she's a, she's a complete goal scorer uh i mean i can distinctly remember two or three different types of goals that she scored in the french league and the champions league and each of them you can attribute to a different type of striker you know around the world like i've like you said i think the goal in champions league where she makes a late run at the back post and kind of just taps it in is reminiscent of someone who's who's clever and, and an amazing in the box right someone who's a who's who's a poacher right there that's you know that's number one can score goals i've seen her score goals in in, in the french league you know where she's got crosses coming in and, and you know leon have some amazing wide players you've got sama basha and, and ellie carpenter there who you know throwing some mean crosses she can get on the end of those uh, and she scored headers from there. I've seen her cut in off the left wing, uh, where she she's predominantly she. I've seen her drop into the left side of the midfield, 
and left wing and kind of come inside, go across the box and kind of shoot from her right. She's done the same thing similarly on her left. Um, I've seen her dribble through two, three defenders, get into the box, shoot and score. Um, so there's like multiple different types of goals that she's been able to score. And I think it's almost a very Chelsea thing, I want to say, that where, where Chelsea's attackers in in, in, in some ways, you, Kirby can do it. Sam Kerr's done it. Penny Lajada did it uh, in the past as well, where you've had these players, this kind of Jiso Yun did it. You know, you had these players come in who are just able to score so many different types of goals. And what I think makes this such a useful tool for Chelsea is it helps us break down different types of teams. You know, it helps us break down the low blocks. It helps us take break down teams that play with a high line. It helps us take out teams that, you know, maybe want to play with a with a certain way and kind of marking a certain thing. So I've seen Leon play against humongously low block teams in the French League. Uh, I remember particularly a game a couple of seasons ago against Montpellier where um, I think Leon were... We're trying to counterattack, and they had about they were lined up in like a three-two or four-two structure, just on the edge of their box. And Macario played a one-two with with Amonzin Henri, got it back, ran ran past a couple of centre backs, and just literally slotted into the bottom corner and just broke that broke that structure. And I was like, that's actually crazy. Like, how have you just done, gone through that and just done that? Um, and so the her ability to do that, I think, I think is massive. Um, you know. Set pieces is another one. She knows how to take set pieces. Another one that you know we can we can add to the list of corners, free kicks, penalties. Um, you know maybe maybe another in a fox in the box where she knows she can maybe creep into the back post, come to the front post, uh, take take direct free kicks. You know, um, with with Penilla gone again, you get another one to kind of come in and replace that sort of, uh, um, you know, person there to, to to take that. So for me, it's she's just got the tools and she's got the. Uh, she's got, I think, most importantly, I think she's got the intelligence in her offensive game to be able to 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 understand um, how she can score these goals and, and kind of make uh, you know decently good decisions most of the time in, in terms of where I should go, in terms of making runs into the box and kind of what, uh, how how she can how she and the the technical ability to be able to score those types of goals. Yeah, and, and you've kind of touched on it there, but I think again, what I really like about watching Macario is the reason she scores all these different types of goals is because she makes very very clever runs and I feel like what she does and this is the nature of maybe playing in a number of different attacking positions over the years but she looks to fill gaps in the line like a lot of the time when I watch players for example who are trying to like support a player who's attacking they'll make runs where they go too close to the player or they go too far for the player. Like, Makario always feels very good at being in the space where she understands she's going to draw a defender or she's going to be free for the pass. Um, And I guess that's the element of her where it's, it's not like she's playing like a striker, in inverted commas, because she's not the person who's necessarily looking on to, to be on the ball. She's the person who's looking to get that extra pass if it's needed. This is obviously very attractive to like a Chelsea team who've always looked to play very fluidly. You know, okay, we didn't see it so much this season in terms of... I mean, I guess maybe we did see it this season in terms of how many goals Wrighton scored. Like, Sam Kerr is not a player who is selfish, which feels weird because she scores loads of goals and she will take chances, but she's not someone who who will just take the chance because she feels like she has to because she's a striker. She'll hold up the ball... And open something up for Wrighton. That's why we've seen like Frank Kirby have insane goal scoring seasons when playing with Kerr. Talk to us a bit about Macario's 
movement and how that helps a team's attack. Yeah, I think I think her movement is um again, I mean there's a lot of good things about Macario, but I think I think her 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 movement matches her intelligence um and I think they go hand in hand like a player can move well. A player can move and move move quick and move into spaces, but if you're not thinking about the spaces, you're not thinking tactically, you're not thinking about, you know, where the spaces can crop up, you know, you're you're not going to be able to utilize that skill really really well. I think her movement in, in in her movement is great because while you know we were talk we we were talking about earlier I think while she's not the quickest player in the world in terms of her her, her burst speed in terms of going off the mark I think her acceleration and build up speed is really really good <clears throat> so once she picks up the ball and starts running with it you can see her developing enough pace that's quick where she can control it and she's very difficult to dispossess in those situations which then kind of help us. You know, you can win a lot of fouls, you can win a lot of free kicks in, in, in that scenario as well, right? If players take you down. And I think what she does with the ball in that sense, I think she does equally good off the ball. Because when she makes those runs off the ball, I'm like, she might have the ball, she might have the ball and lay it off to say someone on the right wing. But then once she's laid off the ball, she kind of look she loves to look up, kind of have a quick glance around and kind of make runs in between. Because because she likes playing in the channels, she'll always try and look for that channel run, whether it's at the near post or the back post. And once she kind of gets in the box, she starts then seeing the spaces a lot better. And but because she's so good at getting in the in the initial space to be able to get into the box and, and make a better decision over there, kind of puts her in a better position in the first place. And I think that's probably the best thing that 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 Macario has in terms of her movement because she's someone that knows right once I play it off I just need to get in and around the box once I get in and around the box I can then I can make myself more time to be able to make a better decision to get in the box so it's almost like she's really good at figuring out the spaces but once you kind of close the gap and make the space smaller in terms of the square footage and the real estate of where she can go She's almost better at being able to make a decision when there's a smaller amount of space because then it's like, all right, I can see the space here. I can see the space here. I think that space is better based on this player. Boom, go in. Because at Leon, like, for example, she knew everybody's strengths. Delphine Cascarino on the right wing. Amazing crosser, but knows how to come inside and kind of knows her movements of when she's going to do what. Salma Basha off the left, an amazing crosser. Pinpoint accuracy in her crosses goes from there. And Amandino Rio or Damaris in midfield knows how to thread a ball through. She knows... She, because she knew the players around her, she knew what movements to make that suited their strengths to be able to then go into the box and kind of make it easier for them to be able to do what they do best and kind of capitalize on that. And I think once she learns Frank Kirby, Melanie Leupold, and Aaron Cuthbert, Sam Kerr, I think we can we can start seeing that movement become even better because then she knows how the players around her uh, are playing. Yeah, um, and I think clearly that's. We're going to talk a little bit about the injury and what that might mean, but I think that intelligence is, for me, something that actually feels like the most important thing. I think she is a player who clearly, you know, has the physicality and she does have some pace, but she doesn't rely on those things. Like, what she relies on is her brain. Um, and I think that reassures me a bit more about the injury. Um, one more element of a game I want to touch on is the defensive side of things because we were talking before we started recording and I was like tell me what you think Kat Macario is bad at and you were like maybe it's this off the ball stuff and I watched a lot of 
clips of Kat before we did this episode. And as part of that, I rewatched the the Champions League final, the Leon Barca game, and I was really impressed in that. And look, this is a game where you like concentrate the most of all games ever. So like I will say that now. But what I was really impressed is that she was put on Patrick Giaro. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, sixes in the world. And to be honest, she kind of marked her out of the Champions League final. Like, every time the ball was like, going towards Giaro, she was there, she was ready to put Patri under pressure. There's, like, one opportunity that's created where she actually wins the ball of Patri because, like, Patri's trying to turn and, and Kat's already there. Um, and she, she tracked Patri back as well. Like, she there were points where it was almost like she'd lost her concentration and she was the one running to, like, go and retrieve that ball. That's obviously, yeah, the game where you really, really focus. But talk to us a bit about maybe the good bits, that kind of thing, about her off-ball work, her defensive work, and maybe some of the concerns you have around that. So, I, yeah, that game, I think, I think you, you, when you, what you referenced, I think that was... Kat Macaria had her best from an off-the-ball defensive perspective, definitely for me, because that game, while you said it requires the most amount of focus, but I think it was the game where Leon were underdogs. And you can, I mean, I don't even, I think probably the first time ever that you could ever call Leon an underdog in a game, let alone a Champions League final. And I think it was just drilled into the entire team that they had to work. And if you weren't going to work, and if, and if, if Sonia hadn't seen that level of commitment and work in training... I don't think Makaria would have started because because Sonia was not afraid to drop players. Like she dropped, you know, top players in that team because she's like, "What are you going to do? I, I'm the boss here. You, you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to do anything." And so I think that was the fact that she started in a game that was so tactical for Leon off the ball is is for, is a huge sign that you know what she she can do that. So the fact that you're marking out probably the best single pivot in the game uh, and be able to force her into a mistake, even one mistake like that is is a huge bonus and it kind of goes back to what what i was just saying about her off-ball movement uh, uh decision making uh, uh earlier was you give her a smaller amount of space to focus on she's good and i think that applies to her defensively as well because she was playing in that number 10 slot and her the point to her was this single pivot number six position and if for anybody listening, I'm making hand gestures, only Jesse can see it. So just <laughs> ig- 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 <laughs> doing stuff. But in that kind of that number six pivot position, almost you can almost imagine a square where where the number six will be playing just outside the box. She was basically told, Patri plays here. All you have to do is cover shadow this area. Make sure she does not get out of there. And you kind of letting her just say, as long as you focus on this when you're off the ball, when we're pressing. That's all your job is. And I think when you give her a task like that and you ask her to do things like that, she will just do it because it doesn't require her to be able to have to expand herself across the pitch, do a lot more defensive work, and then probably then it affects her stamina and everything. And I think it, it's the perfect balance between giving her a defensive job to do off the ball as an, as, as an attacking player, especially as a number 10, which, as we know, is such an important role both offensively and defensively um you know uh, when it comes to pressing and defending and everything but at the same time you were giving her enough time and enough uh you know kind of enough time and enough kind of presence to say all right you can still then give your influence from an attacking perspective from these areas and do what you need to do best so for me that's where i find her defensively really good and, and kind of they, they all link together and my only concern that can really bring about her game 
overall, if, if I'm going to do that, is I think when she, when it comes to her link-up play as a number 10, there are times I've seen a play where she drops deep to link up with midfield because she wants to come and collect when she has playing as a number 10, and that, that kind of involves her playing with her back to goal. Um, she's While she can pick up balls that go past her, the through balls, there's a lot of times where she against maybe against low blocks against teams that may be man marking her that she needs to drop deep to be able to pull players out of position and kind of receive back to back to goal and i think the only thing now that i i I would think that she would need is to be able to improve her decision making in terms of that first decision after receiving the ball yes she does scan and she does look around and she look look over her shoulder but there are times where she'll pick it up turn and she may play place the pass maybe in the right direction, but kind of a little bit off target. And I think when you have someone like, and, and it was balls for Ada Hegelberg at the time, and Ada Hegelberg wasn't the quickest player, so things did go past her. And and, and, uh, and obviously playing as, in that sense, you might have been playing in a 4-3-3 on the left side coming inside. There's maybe an overlapping fullback, but then you kind of have limited options. And then, okay, at Chelsea, she'll have someone like Sam Kerr and potentially a Fran Kirby or, or Guru Wrighton who will make a lot of off-the-ball runs. And so basically, when you have two, three players who are making runs in behind, being able to choose the right decision and the right pass and the right weights of pass for these players to take on, whether it's defeat or in behind, becomes a huge, huge role because that player playing in a number 10, while she needs to be while she needs to be able to and will do things with the ball herself, she needs to be able to facilitate the other two, three players around her. Because that's probably one thing that that both Kirby, when she plays as a 10, and Mohada did as a 10, was were excellent. And that's how they were able to all combined together that's probably where my biggest concern quote-unquote would be but I think that's something that she'll probably improve with the number of runs that these players are going to make in mind yeah and listen she's 23 it would be crazy if she didn't have anything to improve on players always have stuff they can improve on but yeah it's interesting to know um what those things might be uh okay we'll take another ad break here and then we will talk a bit more about her ACL injury and also just generally a bit more about where she'll fit in at Chelsea. So we've touched on the Champions League final, where she has this amazing game. She scores a goal. Leon win. It's a big upset. Makari then proceeds to do her ACL in the last league game, I believe it was, of the season, because for reasons unknown, both Barcelona and Leon went back to play domestic games after that Champions League final. We haven't seen her play football for over a year now. Um, There were sort of videos of her back on the grass at one point, but it seems she had a setback since then. She's confirmed she'll be missing the World Cup. Unclear when she might be back. From what I've heard, it sounds like she could still miss around the first two, three months of the season. Feels unlikely she'll be back for the start of it. Um, But at least... We don't actually get underway until the final weekend of September. It's a very late start to the season because of the World Cup. Obviously, Chelsea have done their due diligence on this. You're not going to sign someone to a three-year deal if you don't think they are going to come back at a high level. Um, But, Abdullah, is it a concern for you that she's still recovering from this ACL injury that you know, we've actually got no idea what player will return from a layoff that's going to have been probably 15, 16 months. Yeah, a little bit, because uh, at the time that Macario did her ACL, Ellie Carpenter went down in the game before that. She went down in the Champions League final. 
and she's back playing for the last three, four months. And she's playing regular football. She's playing 90 minutes and she's slowly now coming back to, or rather, obviously the, the, the season is done, but she had slowly came back to her, her best as the season progressed, uh, you know, towards the end. And it still took, you know, a few minutes in December, January, February, March, you know, to really start seeing, you know, an 80, 70, 80, 90 minute Ellie Carpenter and then eventually seeing her get back to the levels that she was. And then obviously she became, uh, she, she, started, she, got, she got back. Arda Hegerberg similarly did a big injury, took a while to come back. But when she's come back, she started to see the best of her and it's taken her three, four, five months. And the fact that we haven't seen her recover yet, you know, she was in Qatar for a, for a long, long time doing her rehab over there, sat back. And the fact that she's missing the World Cup and that she's not even like, close to even just like, all right, maybe I can make, you know, the squad kind of touch and go because at that point you'd think, okay, they probably should be able to, I mean, look at Alexia Puteas, right? Sorry. Another example did her, uh, did her, did her injury just before the world uh, euros and is now back in the squad for the world cup played, uh, played minutes at the back end of last season. And, you know, she didn't get 90 minutes per, per se, but she slowly is coming back and, and it's taken a little bit of time for her to come back into, into form. So, it is a concern because if 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 we aren't going to see Cat for the first two three months of the season, you lose two three months of development. Then you got to slowly ease her back into it. Do we only then start seeing maybe 30, 40 minute cameos from her in like January, and then do we only start seeing ninety minute games from her in like March? But then, do you really want to be playing someone who's essentially quote unquote new to the team in March April when you're potentially fighting for Champions League quarter and semifinals, uh, and 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 fighting for the league in domestic cups? And so, you know, there's a very, there's a, there's a, I mean, I don't know, there's a chance that we don't see a 70, 80% Macario for a long period of time, maybe until the season after, right? There's a chance if she, if she doesn't come back. So, you know, I, it's kind of good for Chelsea that she's not playing at the World Cup, so she can just focus the next two, three months on, on rehab herself and kind of go from there. If, if all goes to plan and if she can come back, if she can make a comeback by October, then I think there's a chance we can start. We can see a really good Macario by about February, March, and and where we can see her playing consistently, high number of minutes, and then eventually start making an impact around them. But yeah, it is it's definitely a concern that she hasn't recovered yet, and and you know there's still kind of a unknown on on kind of what's happening, where she's at, and kind of how far she is from recovery. Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously is a concern. Um... And and it's understandable because we we kind of have no idea. Uh, but equally, I think, well, I think the thing that will be interesting is, I'm sure Chelsea will feel that even though they've lost Harder, they spent a huge portion of the season season playing without Harder and Kirby, so that they can, uh, make up for Macario not being fit, especially if Kirby, is back for preseason, which sounds like it should be the case. And I think ultimately you see the long-term potential upside as being much bigger than waiting a, a couple of months. Like, I know Macario signed a three-year deal, but she's 23. This is probably a player you're hoping will stay at the club for four or five years. Now, who knows whether that will actually be the case. She obviously left Leon like, on the expiration of her, her contract, but I'm sure Chelsea will feel like this is a player they, they would be willing and want to, to build a team around especially because the lots of the attacking players, aside from Lauren James, are on, on the older side. You know, Kerr, Kirby and Wrighton are all players who who 
don't have five years more development ahead of them in a, in the way that Macario does. Um, so I think Chelsea will feel relaxed about taking the time that they need um, to get Macario back into shape. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think it's better that she's skipping the World Cup as shit as that is for her, but that just gives her an opportunity to, to focus on recovering, whereas, you know, maybe if that door was even slightly open, she's she's rushing into something that she's not ready for. Instead, suddenly she gets, you know, four extra months before she even has to think about playing football, regardless of what her timeline actually is. So I think that's, that's a big benefit. Um, but given that we might not see her play for Chelsea for a bit, I think that's just what's weird is like, you're like, this is a massive signing. You want to think we're going to turn up for that first weekend of the WSL and she's going to be walking out. And that's probably not the case. But at some point, we will see her play in a Chelsea shirt. And Abdullah, there's been a lot of harder comparisons to Macario. A sort of, you know, we let harder go, but we've upgraded with the younger model. You actually feel like she's more like a different player at Chelsea. Yeah, um, we were talking about this, and I probably this is where obviously the question came prompted. We were just discussing. I think she's a bit more of the Frank Kirby mold than she is of the harder mold, mainly. And again, I'm maybe I don't have anything substantiated to go with this in terms of like hardcore evidence. But when I watch her play, I feel like there's that there's that creativity. There's that kind of the the way Kirby plays on that right-hand side. And maybe Kirby's a little bit more silky and, and, and gracious in the way she moves across the pitch. But the movement of coming in off the right, driving inside, cutting in, being able to kind of almost use both feet, uh, movement into the box in terms of space, being able to score almost players like a, a, both players. Uh, she's played as a striker. She's played as a number 10. She's played on the right. She's played on the left. Um, and, and, and it's just... All of that just really just reminds me of Macario more than it reminds me of of Penilla Harder. And Penilla Harder is known as the number 10. Like she's probably one of the best, if not one of the best, if not the best number 10 in the, probably the last like five to six years, you know, uh, when she was at Wolfsburg and obviously when she came to Chelsea as well. And But for me, like when I see Macario play, because of the fact that, and, and, and just to caveat this, for if anybody does, does think I'm trying to say this, I do know that that Hardy can play as a t nine. She can play out in different positions, but her best position is central. Whereas Macario and Kirby can both play in different positions, both centrally and possibly do a job in Macario's case in a wider position coming inside. And I think their their ability to be able to understand the smaller spaces coming in off the wide areas, starting from there, I think is is very very similar. And in a weird, weird way, while I do think that Macario is more of the mold of Kirby, I can see a world where they both play together and it can work because Macario still brings you something different in the mold of what you know what a potential harder you know harder brings and and what Sam Kerr brings. So there is traits of all three, but I think for me it's a predominant Frank Kirby mold than it is a Penilla Harder mold. Yeah, I mean I can see both sides. I think. In some ways, because I feel like I've watched her so much centrally and I kind of still associate Fran with playing out wide more than centrally. Um, the harder the harder comparison is what I lean to. There's been rival radar charts around this about basically who's better. Uh, the reality is you're not going to compare two players off a radar. But I would say 
go with the FB ref data, not the Y scout data, because Y scout data can be wild sometimes. Um, so yeah, if you are looking at like kind of graphics, that's just one thing that's that's worth looking out for. But look, they're two different players. Um, I think what's clear, Abdullah, when we're talking about these comparisons, is that Chelsea wanted to sign another attacking player, another high quality attacking player. And that's what they're getting with Mikario. You don't need someone to fill Penella Harder's shoes because no one's going to. And why fill someone else's shoes when you can bring your own shoes if I can carry on with this laboured analogy? Yeah, exactly. Everyone bring your own shoes to, to, <laughs> to, to the party. Um, no, you're right. I, I think I think replicating what was one of the best tens in the world did at Chelsea is nigh on impossible task you basically need to basically just re-sign Panila Harder from Bayern Munich if you want to play Panila Harder role again so th that's one thing I think I think I, I think it's it's good that Makari comes in and kind of brings her own her own traits and her own strengths because I think Chelsea are in a little bit need of a refresh in terms of tactically of how they move forward and how they play because it's been two seasons of how of of teams watching and have evidence and footage of Chelsea of how they play and yes obviously it's incredibly difficult to stop but you eventually teams will figure out a way and do it if you're going to keep playing the same same way I mean every every team good team has evolved even Pep Guardiola evolves his team almost on a year on a, on a yearly basis right because even he's one of the best if not the best tactician around um so I think Makari coming in and kind of forcing Emma Hayes to you know rethink how she plays and redefines that number ten role I think is is a good thing, um, and it, I think it also then forces the players around them to adapt as well and kind of think of how can we now leverage this new player here and improve our game and maybe in the process of doing that they figure oh okay cool I can also do this and maybe we can do this and that knock on effect for everybody else I think I think is is really really good so. Um, yeah, Makaria coming in, doing her own thing for me is, is, is I think, ultimately a good thing for both the club and, and the players around. And sort of when we're looking long term, do you think come the end of next season, let's say, we'll be looking at a front four of Wrighton, Kerr, Macario, Lauren James? Do you think that's like where this is going? Uh, do you think... Kirby's gonna end up back in the squad more full time. Give us your predictions. <laughs> I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I, I almost want to go out on a limb and say that I'm, I'm not saying it ca can't work. I'm just saying personal preference. I think the front four would be Gur Wright and Sam Kerr, Macario. And I think Kirby for me, I think Kirby's just a little bit more malleable and flexible in her playstyle coming in off that right um for me in terms of what she does and how she does it then lauren james who again technically the best player at the club so so good that coming inside and being able to just you know soak up the pressure and play but i almost feel like to some extent i think i think james and macario might just at some point eat up each other's spaces because if Lauren James likes to come inside and in a weird way, she likes to play just outside the box and then go inside. 
the kind of the same spaces that Macario likes to operate in and then go inside as well. Yes, maybe Macario will go in off the left at times and obviously James comes in off the right and kind of goes in. But to me, there's there's just a little bit maybe of an overlap and a little bit of a of a clash. I'm not saying it can't work, it can work. And obviously they can adapt to each other and play. And I can see I can see a scenario where if Kat's playing as a number nine, I'm not opposed to putting Lauren as a number 10 and then combining that way. I think if they're playing next to each other vertically, I think it works. I think if they're playing next to each other horizontally, I think there's a little bit of a clash there because they both like to play in that same space. So for me, I would personally prefer, and I would maybe think that it's a Kirby, Kerr, Wright, and Macario front four if we're going that way. All right, well... It will be definitely be interesting to see. There's a lot of injury ifs and buts, I think, going on, which makes it quite hard to assess. But I think we can kind of conclude that Macario is a very exciting player and she's someone who I truly believe whoever she ends up playing with is going to look great with once she's fully fit. Um, I think this is just a really, really exciting player to have been able to recruit. And once again, like I said it at the top of the show, but it's it's not only exciting for us but it's cool like I feel like there was a lot of conversation around Ericsson and Harder wanting to leave and you know obviously you get this kind of negative perception of the club because players like are looking looking for something else and whatever that's fine like people are always going to put their own narratives on it but when you've got the most accomplished young player in the world. Like, let's be real. There's really not another 23-year-old who's who's done it like Macario has, um, who wants to come play for you. I think that's just a really exciting vote of confidence in in your club and the project and the project that Chelsea are selling to, to players as well. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing her play. Abdullah, thank you for giving us your insight on Macario. Give us a quick plug of your substack in case anyone wants to read more of your analysis on cats thanks so my substack is called pressing matters i've got a recent piece on macario as chelsea's kind of number 10 what i think she'll fit in and i've got some older stuff on macario and leon and kind of how she fit in so and if you want any other women's football specific analysis stuff across all different european teams it's all kind of plastered there over the last couple of years so yeah go and enjoy pressing matters yeah, lots of good stuff to enjoy there. Um, okay, that wraps us up for today. Uh, in terms of what we've got coming up, we've obviously got to finish our squad reviews. We've got to look at those midfielders and forwards. Um, going to hopefully take a look at our loanees and how they've done this season, what their places might be for next year. And potentially, maybe, we'll get to do another deep dive on a new Chelsea player soon. I know that Ashley Lawrence has been announced as leaving Paris Saint-Germain last week. Who knows what's happening with that? It's not me. That's not like a, a hint. I've got no clue. It's very annoying if you're planning a podcast and you're like, maybe I'll get to do this episode and next week, maybe I won't. Maybe she'll go in time for someone else. Um, but fingers crossed, we might get to do that soon. That would be very, very good. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back with you later in the week anyway, regardless of whether Ashley Lawrence has signed or not. Until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.